just want to tell you this morning that there's nothing better than you, Lord Jesus, and that you are the one we desire. Thank you for your presence with us this morning. Would you open our eyes and uh, just give us awareness and uh, just give us awareness to what you're doing. And uh, Lord, we thank you. Thanks for this morning. We offer our songs to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 What a great reminder, you know, that only Jesus can turn our mourning, that means our sadness, into dancing. We only dance when we're happy, right? But Jesus can make the worst thing so much better. So, um, last week, Mr. Josh just crushed it with the kids' message, didn't he? He did a great, great message. And so I asked him to come back and help me this week. Because we're going to kind of build on that a little bit. You know, the fun thing about the kids' message is that when it's really good, it sticks and you remember it. And it worked for me. Miss Angie and I were in a different country. We were way across the ocean. We were in this place called Scotland. It's famous for being cold and wet. And they have mean little bugs that just come after you. I'll tell you that story some other time. And there were times when we were walking in the rain and it was really cold and my head was down and I was like oh oh and then I remembered the message from last week I like my wet shoes I like my wet shoes remember that right and this is what gave me so much joy while he was teaching that message I was watching the video I heard Sam I heard Isaac all the way from over there in Scotland, not that you were being that loud, but I heard the recording, okay? But I heard you guys, you were in it. You understood it, right? And so I started listening to that, and I started saying that when it was cold and it was wet. But here's the interesting thing. There were a lot of times during our trip where Miss Angie and I saw Jesus at work. It was beautiful. Because you don't just see Jesus at church, you see Jesus in things that happen, right? And so I asked Mr. Josh to come up here because I'm going to tell you a couple of stories of when we saw Jesus. And then we're going to sing, I just saw Jesus. Okay? The same way that he knocked it out of the park last week. Right? Okay? So, first story. Miss Angie and I are on a big bus. And it's full of people. And we're sitting there, and we're getting ready to go, and we're at a bus stop, and this young lady got on the bus, and she was being very quiet, and she was talking to the bus driver, and she was, I think we we sort of got the idea that she was trying to figure out if she had enough money to make it to where she needed to go. And before it even registered with me, all of these total strangers on the bus started pulling cash out of their pockets. They were pulling paper money and coins and all of this and just holding it out to the driver, right, to help this lady that they didn't know so that she could get where she needed to go. And I looked at Miss Angie and she looked at me and I said, I just saw Jesus. I just saw Jesus. Nice. Nice. That was good. Wasn't that good? All right, so 
So another story, okay? You're gonna. This one is a little bit longer, so just hang with me, okay? Have you ever noticed that Pastor David wears this thing on my arm? You ever seen this? Okay, this is very important. This is to keep me healthy. This reminds me when I have to take my medicine. It reminds me when it's time for me to eat. Okay, it's very important for me. And I have to change this every 10 days. So sometimes it'll be on this arm, sometimes it'll be on that arm, right? That kind of thing. So my extra one was in our luggage. And our luggage got lost. It was gone. And it was time for me coming up to change this. And I didn't have it. And I didn't think I was going to get the luggage back. So I got on that magical place, Facebook. Hello, Facebook, by the way, because they're watching. And I talked to the group of people that wear these. And I said, is there anyone over here in Scotland that can tell me if I can go and buy one? Because you can't buy one in America. You have to go to your doctor to get it. But over there, it's a little different. And this lady who I'd never met sent me a message and she said, I have extras. They're for my daughter, but we've got more than enough. Tell me where you are and I will bring it to you. And I said, oh, well, we're here at this hotel but, you know, please, let me pay you for it. She said, it didn't cost me a thing. So I left her some money in an envelope so she could take her daughter to lunch because they had a dance recital. And she left me a note and left the money and said, you're on holiday. That's what they call vacation over there. Just have a good time. And she gave it to me for free. And here's something cool. The place where she lived I've never been to before but it's the place where my grandpa was born. The man who I'm named after. I thought, I just saw Jesus. 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 Huh? How about that? So, every night when we're at the dinner table, we always, always, always ask each other, where did you see Jesus today? So here's my lesson for you. You can see Jesus all over the place. All you have to do is remember last week. Remember to have the good thinking. Like, what was the cat's name? Pete. Pete? Pete the cat. Pete the cat. Remember Pete the cat. Okay? He never let anything get him down. Right? And so if you don't let anything get you down, remember that just like we just sung about, Jesus can turn your sadness into dancing. Okay? So just look for Jesus. Can you remember that? All right. And happy Father's Day to the dads. You can go to class. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Josh. Huh? How about it? Oh, we're going to have a picture of the We're getting dangerously close to a tent revival here is what's happening. But so <laughs> good morning uh, to those of you watching online that are just joining us. Good morning to all of you that are here. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Uh, there are donuts here. Uh, the donuts are supposed to be for the dads, but they're it's a free-for-all. Just take them because I'm not taking them home with me, right? So, but it is very nice to be back. I have to tell you this morning, the alarm went off, my eyes opened, and I didn't think about the fact that today was Father's Day. I didn't think about 
the fact that tomorrow I'm celebrating 24 years with my beautiful wife, the first thing I thought of was, I get to be with my church family today. I missed you very much, and I hope you missed me too, but I do know that Mitchell did an amazing job while he was here filling in for me, and, and he finished off our series um, on sidekicks, and so we're starting a new series today, which I'm pretty excited about for the summer, um, but I did get a chance to watch online while I was over there, and it's a unique experience to watch and, and to be a spectator, and, and what it reminded me was the truth of God's word, where two or more are gathered, he's here, and he's really the only one that has to be here, you know? So it doesn't matter your title, your job, your responsibility, as long as God shows up, we are good, but it was so nice this morning to come in, to have Clay, Megan, and Robert back leading worship, uh, to be here, and just to feel like all the regulars were in place, and we were ready to go, and, and all that, and it was just wonderful. So uh, thank you again for your prayers, helping us get home. We had a couple of adventures, which we'll share at some point, but uh, um, it was an incredible time. So the Bible uh, claims something really interesting. I don't know, there's, a, there's an old joke about men. There's this generalization that we don't like to read instruction books. Is that true? Right? I have a cabinet in my garage with a stack of instruction books that has to be about this high. Okay? Fred's nodding because he knows. Okay? Um, I can't imagine Fred ever cracking an instruction book just from what I know. But, uh, and Ellen's over there nodding. Uh, they, they've got stock and Band-Aid. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, I, I bought, right before we went to Scotland, I bought a, a buffer for my truck because I wanted to start washing the truck and all that sort of thing. And it came with like a 28-page instruction manual. Well, it's, it's cordless. You plug the battery in, you pull the trigger, and it moves. I mean, you know, that, what do you need 28 pages for? So I put it in there on the stack with the rest of the instruction manuals that never get looked at unless something unusual happens. Like, for instance, with my weed trimmer when I have to try to remember how to replace the string. Okay, then I'll get the manual out and look. But now that I have YouTube, I don't even really look in the manuals much either. But I remember growing up and navigating life and the different seasons of life, the different challenges that come along, and thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great if there was an instruction manual for life? And it turns out that there is. See, the Bible claims that reading it and living it out brings us more blessing. It increases our happiness. And there are many people who do read the Bible every day, but despite this promise, there are many people who don't. And it's too bad, because there are so many benefits to it. They just don't understand. And one reason that I, I think that people tend to shy away from this idea of, of getting into the Word, especially on a regular basis, is because they don't understand it. They don't understand what it's all about. They don't understand its composition. They don't understand where it came from or how it fits all together. And so in light of that, as we begin this brand new series uh, on the largest book found in the Bible, I want to help bring a little more understanding to how the Bible is constructed. For many of us, this is a review. For some of you, it may be a little bit of new information for you. But we know this. The Bible has two major sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? There are 66 books in the Bible. There are 39 in the Old, 27 in the New. 
There will not be a quiz. Don't worry, okay? But these larger sections are also broken up into smaller sections of Scripture. And I'm not talking about the books. For instance, the first section of the Old Testament is the historic section. There are 17 books in the historic section. It's Genesis through Esther. And then that second section is the poetic section. There are five books in the poetic section. That's from from Job through Song of Songs, or it would be Song of Solomon, depending on, on your tradition. And the third section of the Old Testament is the prophetic section. And there are 17 books in this section as well. That's Isaiah through Malachi. Now, the New Testament also has three types of literature, but we're not going to be in the New Testament in this series, so we'll look at that another time. But for now, I want you to know that the 39 books in the Old Testament, the first 17 are stories, the next five are poems or songs, right? And then the final 17 are prophecy. And often when people get stuck in that prophetic section, it's because the prophets used a lot of references to contemporary events and locations in their day. And so if you're not up on the history, sometimes a lot of that doesn't quite line up. And when you read those books, it's important to always have a good commentary, I think, with you when when you're covering that part of it. When I decided years ago that I was going to finally obey God's call, and I knew I needed to go back to school, I needed to get a good, solid education. And there was a uh, a pastor, um, a, a dear dear friend of Angie and I's, who is uh, like a mentor to me. He's a great guy. His name was Paul Cowell. I love Paul. And I went to him, and it was really important to me that Paul would give me his blessing. I don't know why, but it just was, because I, I thought so highly of him. Um, and I went to him, and I said, Paul, I'm, I'm going to school. And he sat, and he, he very quiet for Paul. I mean, you think I'm a talker. Paul was a, a, a big talker, okay? And, and so he sat there at his desk, and he just sort of listened and nodded. And I just sort of pleaded my case to him. This is what I'm going to do, and this is why I'm going to do it, and this is what I think God's calling me for, and this is all this sort of thing. And, and I've got, you know, uh, six years of school in front of me that I've got to finish in, in a, a certain amount of time, and, you know, all this, plus, you know, everything else. And he was real quiet for a minute. And then he said, when you get to it, watch out for the minor prophets. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> he said, that one's really a tough one, okay? And he was right. I But that's all he said. He said, that is some tough reading. So fortunately, for the next six weeks, we're not in any prophets, okay? We're not minor, major, or anything else for that matter. What we're going to be doing instead is looking at the songwriters of Israel, we're going to be reading the lyrics of ancient believers who poured their hearts out to God in the form of poetry and song. That's the book of Psalms. So in six weeks, so obviously we're not going to cover all the Psalms. And Psalms is so fascinating. It is a book for all seasons of life because it speaks to every area, every season that we're going through. It's a collection of praise and anguish, of joy and sadness, triumph and defeat. And it's written by many different authors in many different situations and seasons. It's truly a very unique book. So to begin our series, we're going to start at the very beginning. It just makes sense. We're going to start in Psalm 1, where a foundation is laid out for righteous living and having a consistent and blessed life that includes the daily reading of Scripture. 
And Psalm 1 gives us this vision for this healthier, happier, more productive life. So let me just pray for us real quick as we get started. And if you have your Bibles or your smart apps or your stone tablets, whatever you got with you, just whip over to Psalm 1 because that's where we're going to be parked today. Lord, we want to experience a life of happiness and flourishing. We want to sing about our our red shoes and our mud shoes and our wet shoes uh, despite what's going on around us. Lord, forgive us in the seasons when we have strayed from you and give us the courage to walk with you and your people every day. And all God's people said, Okay, so if you are at Psalm 1, we're going to start right there, and it says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This opening psalm's promise is this. If you want to be happier, read this book. If you want to be a person who bears fruit in season, read this book. The Bible is, uh, is a book for all seasons. Because if you read it regularly, you're, you're going to be like a tree beside divinely flowing streams. You'll never lack the life-giving water that enables you to flourish and bear fruit. And based upon this truth, I think we can develop a, a real simple formula. More Bible, less binge-watching. Or more scripture, less screens. Have you noticed that you often leave church in a little bit better mood, a little lighter walk, a little lighter step than maybe we, even when you arrived? What's happening here? What, what makes the church environment such a unique one? Well, here are a few thoughts to consider. In church... You spend time in worship. There's a reason we start with worship. It's not just that they're better looking than I am and we want to keep you here. There's a reason for it, okay? And you spend time with God's people. There's that, that fellowship that we enjoy before church. There's that fellowship after church. There, there is just that time that is precious. And finally, you spend time in God's Word. Those are three of the five things that you were born for. Engaging with Scripture has the potential to make you happier and more resilient. Is there anybody that doesn't want that? This psalm is the psalm of happiness. In this psalm, the psalmist teaches us the secret to happiness. It's our instruction 
manual. He says, happy people do three things. They walk, they stand, and they sit. It's a progression. Happy people avoid three things. There are three things they do not do. Happy people don't walk in the way the wicked people do. Happy people don't stand in the pathway of sinners. And happy people don't sit in the company of mockers. Okay, so walking. Write this down. This is important. Walking is taking a series of steps. We all know that, okay? There is a very famous song. It's a one-hit wonder from a Scottish group, and every tour bus plays this song. I will walk 500 miles. The reason is because we literally walked about 500 miles while we were over there. I mean, we walked everywhere every day. I've got new shoes on because I literally wore a hole in my other tennis shoes while we were there. That's not a lie. I put these on in the store yesterday and threw the other ones in the garbage. I mean, they were dead, okay? So we know that walking is a series of steps, a lot of steps. My Apple Watch was so impressed with me. It was like a proud parent. Yes! Uh, there were days we closed our rings twice, you know, and there was a woohoo, you know. <laughs> I felt pretty good about that. But it's more than just that. It isn't just literally walking. It's about the decisions that we make all day long. The progression. Walking is the decisions that we make all day long. Write that down. Walking is the decisions we make all day long. It's about where you live mentally, where you live emotionally and relationally. After you, you walk for a while, what happens? Well, you usually get to the place where you're going. So you stop. And then what do you do when you stop walking? You, you stand there. Right? So write this down. Standing is the commitments that we make to various causes. It's the, the kind of thinking that you adopt. It's the way that you choose to see life as you've been walking. Did you see Jesus? You make your decisions, okay? That's walking. And then your decisions make you. That's standing. You stop somewhere and you, you live there. Once you've stood somewhere long enough, eventually, if you're like me or like most of us, what are you going to do after you've been standing a long time? You're going to sit. Sitting, write this down, is the attitude of your heart. Sitting is the attitude of our heart. All right, so let me, let me read those words from the psalm to you again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. A happy person doesn't make decisions under the influence of the wicked, under the influence of people who think contrary to God. A happy person doesn't align with causes or priorities that line up with people who do things contrary to the laws of God. 
A happy person doesn't allow their attitudes to be influenced by people who mock the Almighty. So what does a happy person do? It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I always encourage people to check out other biblical translations when they're reading. It's fascinating sometimes just to pull up other translations and see how the, the words come together, especially if you're a word nerd like I am. But the, the common English Bible translates it this way. It says, Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. A happy person does three simple things three simple things that all of us can do number one we delight in God's words we like God's words we take pleasure in them we look we look forward to hearing God's words in church and reading God's words at home and singing the truth of God in worship and learning how to live by them we love that and when we were walking around Scotland. Some of our favorite moments were just listening to the locals talk. Because if you ask them what language they speak, they'll tell you they speak English. It's not English. It's not, it's not the English we know. Okay? We went and had lunch with um, a distant cousin of, of Bonnie's and mine, okay, from, from our maternal grandmother's side. His name's John. John's a retired police officer. He and I are about two years apart in age, you know. So, so we get to this restaurant, and you know, I'm 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 trying to navigate the 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 Scottish accent a little bit, and they use different words too. So, um, Angie had gotten up and left the table. John asked me if I wanted something, and I didn't understand what he said. And I said, "I'm sorry, could you repeat that?" And and he repeated it again. Still didn't get it. I felt horrible. I said, "John, I'm so sorry." I don't understand what you're saying to me. Now, John's mother, who's 80 years old, was sitting across the table. She kind of giggled a little bit, right? So John pointed to the menu, and he said, do you want a starter? Okay, that's what we call an appetizer. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, right? Same language, but not quite the same thing. The, the rhythm of how they speak is different. But it was so different, and it was so delightful. Can you think of a voice that just gives you delight? We all can. You think of uh, maybe the voice of, of someone who's no longer here. I hear my dad's voice all the time, especially, oddly enough, singing, which my dad wasn't a big singer except when he was trying to wake me up because he knew that that would get me going, right? Um, but, but yeah, I hear my dad's voice in my head, okay? Um, sometimes uh, it's, it's the voice of this morning I was getting ready and my son Ian called. He's in Florida. He called to wish me Happy Father's Day. But I knew as soon as I answered the phone, you know, how that was going to go. He starts off with, Father! Yeah, it's, a, it's a thing that he does, right? And, um, but I delight in that voice. Parents, you know, you delight in your kid's voice. Sometimes you're tired of their voice too, but, but you do delight in their voice. There are people that you love in your family, right? Friends that you haven't talked to forever, and you, you call them up on the phone and you just pick it right up. 
where you left it. And you delight in that voice, right? It could be your grandchildren, if you're lucky enough to have grandchildren already. Or maybe, it again, like I said, maybe it's just an old friend or, or someone else, right? It's the same thing when we're in God's Word. As we begin to spend more and more time in God's Word, we get that same feeling of happiness because we recognize His voice and we delight in His voice. So happy people delight in God's words. The second thing is this. We think about God's words deeply. Okay, if, for, for a Hindu, to meditate literally means to think about nothing. To think about nothing. For a Hebrew, and for us in relation, as this is written, to meditate doesn't mean that. It means to think deeply about God's word. So instead of just skimming over a passage, happy people ask questions when you're reading. Why did God say this? What, what does God mean by this? What am I supposed to do about this? And people who are happy, the third thing, we think about these things day and night. One of the best ways to start your day is to read a chapter of the Bible. When I'm reading in my Bible, I often have a, like a notepad next to me, and I ask those questions. What's going on here? What's the story behind this? Who's that guy? Why is he mentioned? Okay, what's going on? And when it comes to prayer or meditation, I can't fathom the idea of thinking of nothing. I don't know. I mean, you can ask Angie. I can't shut this off. Even when I'm sleeping, I don't think my brain ever shuts off. Now, recently, the American Bible Society, they released a report based on a national survey that they did during the middle of the pandemic. This is really interesting. It says, here, here's what they found. All people experience hurt. Duh right? <laughs> but in the midst of these difficulties, the Bible and the church make a critical difference. When people turn to the Bible, they're better able to cope, they experience higher levels of hope and flourishing, and they're better able to forgive. Scripture engagement is significantly related to evidence of forgiveness. The ABS said the more scripture engaged someone is, the more likely they are able to forgive others, which in turn makes them happier people. Verse 3 explains why the scripture engaged person is happier. It says he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does he prospers. The land of Israel has a climate very similar to California, okay? Uh, there's not much rain, and the trees that there are like trees everywhere. They need a steady source of water. The trees that grow beside streams are constantly being watered and nourished. The psalm is saying scripture readers are happier because we're continually taking healthy nourishment, and we prosper. 
The most important organ in your body is your brain. Even if you don't think you use it that often, it is. It does all of your thinking, and pound for pound, your brain consumes far more calories than any other organ. It's true. It's constantly working, and it needs constant feeding. So your brain only makes up 2% of your body mass, but consumes 20% of your calories. Isn't that great news? You don't have to get on a treadmill. Just think about it. <laughs> a lot. Right? It's, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And feeding your brain on the Bible every day is like planting it next to a stream so it can get constant nourishment. And when you're constantly giving your brain the right nourishment, it's going to make better decisions. That just makes sense. It's going to make you prosper. So you want to be happier? Read the Bible. Delight in the Bible. And obey it. And this, this is how the book of Psalms opens. It's interesting, this is the Genesis chapter 1 of the Psalms. The compilers of the Psalms thought long and hard about which one was going to go first in their songbook. And they, they wanted everyone to know the secret to happiness. And they wanted everyone to know the secret of sadness. Verse 4 says, The wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteousness. Chaff is this papery material, this part of the wheat stock that, that it's worthless, right? Once once the it's like the wrapping paper around wheat and around that grain. And and it's there to protect it, but once the wheat is ready to to eat, the chaff isn't needed anymore. So what what does the farmer do? He just removes the chaff and throws it up in the air and lets the wind just carry it away. And what what the author of Psalm 1, who we believe to be David, was saying here is that the unhappy aren't happy because they don't have an anchor of truth to guide them. They take advice from CBS, CNN, Facebook, Fox, whoever it is, right? They get people's opinions, not God's, not God's truth. People who live by the media as their source of truth will not sit in a room when the righteous assemble before God in heaven. Unhappy people, they don't have a happy group to lift them. And the final line of this song says this, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It's a, it's a contrast between happy people and unhappy people. Unhappy people, they don't have the Lord watching over their ways. They're on their own. This is one of the most compelling reasons to become a Christian. As a father, I, I remember watching over my children when they were little. And in some ways, I still do. And as our Heavenly Father, God wants to do that for us. He wants to help you. But He won't force His help on you. He invites us to ask for His help. I love this this moment, this verse in, in the book of Revelation where God is essentially saying, listen, I'm right here at the door of your life and I'm knocking. 
All you have to do is let me in. If you open it, I will come into you and I will live with you and you will be with me. And then he begins what Psalm 1-6 describes. He begins watching over you and guiding you and calling to your attention things that might harm you. He, he does this by means of the Holy Spirit, whispering to you like a voice inside your head. And he does this by talking loudly and clearly to you through the words that he's written to you in the Bible. So imagine, just for a moment, if every person in our city read the Bible on a regular basis. We'd be a happier city, wouldn't we? We'd be a city planted by streams of water. We'd be a, a city for all seasons. Imagine if, if every person in our country read the Bible regularly. We'd be a happier country. We'd be a country for all seasons. Or just imagine if you read the Bible regularly. According to Psalm 1, you'd be happier. You'd be a man or a woman for all seasons. It completely changes the way you see the world around you. It's, there aren't words to, to fully explain it. But for those of us who've had the benefit of living one way and then living another way, we know the truth. He's surrounded by people in an airport who are exhausted and are angry because they're not getting their way. And we had those feelings. And yet we had joy for the young couple with the little baby who had already been there for 18 hours without spare diapers. And they got in on the standby. We didn't. But we had joy for them. Because, because God lets us see the big picture. Not always. But he sure adjusts your heart, doesn't he? It makes a difference. So I'm going to issue a challenge to us today as I invite the worship team to come up and close us out. And this challenge is, is simple. I know not everybody loves homework, so here we go. During this six-week series, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pick one psalm every day and read it. Just one psalm. It can be a short psalm. doesn't have to be the super long one, right? Just read one psalm a day and then ask yourself this important question. What is God saying to me here? Can we do that? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your, your presence in our life. The Psalms are for all seasons. And Lord, some of us right now are going through difficult seasons in our life. So would you speak to those people? Would you show them love and mercy and grace? Would you show them hope? God, for everyone here today, I pray for the experience to have a quick answer to the question, where did you see Jesus today? 
whether that's around the dinner table like we do at home, whether that's just between two people having a conversation, whether it's just a random thought, hmm, where did I see Jesus today? I want the answer to come quick. Thank you for the instruction book that helps us to live a good and prosperous life by connecting with you. Lord, we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us? isn't close today physically or if your dad is is not around then I, I just encourage you to remember this you have a good good father and he is knocking at the door and he just wants you to open up let him in and spend the day with him today amen all right have a great week